0: If you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Mark. We're going to begin our sermon today, and uh, as Tyler introduced it in our announcement time, it's basically, if you have enough faith, you can get whatever you want. If you have enough faith, you can get whatever you want answered answered. That's what we hear often. We may not say it that way, uh, but we do say something of the like often enough. In fact, we start it when we're really young. We talk about it to our children. We say that if you really want to be whatever you want to be, you can do it. And we, we say that for anything. Well, what if I want to be president, your child might say. And you're like, well, yeah, if you work really hard and if things work out well for you and you can just have enough belief in yourself and do these things that you need to do and just believe, then you can do it. Or if you have enough faith in the Lord, you can do anything. And honestly, I sad to bring you some news, but that's not quite the case. Some of you are still hoping you'll be president one day. Probably not going to happen. Listen, it is true that... God can do anything, don't hear me wrong. But what I'm saying is that oftentimes we misplace our faith and we put it in places or in people or in things that can never really fulfill what we hope would happen. And I want us to even get down to the basics of what does it mean to have faith. And so let me just read you a little bit. It's not in Mark, it's in Galatians. It's a really cool place because the word faith is actually just about always the same word in the Greek but it's translated in different ways in your Bible. It's translated with the word faith or believe or even trust in your Bibles in different places, the same word. And it sometimes uses a noun, sometimes uses a verb. Listen to what Paul talks about when he's talking to the Galatians. Now, just so you may be thinking, well, this doesn't apply to us. That was to a church like 2,000 years ago. No, 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 no. This is to a group of people who are kind of living legalistically, and usually down this way, we tend to lean into that legalistic side a little bit. We know our Bible. We know the scriptures. We know the rules. We more often lean into the legalism than to the licentiousness or until the, to the like, letting go of the legalistic stuff. We lean into the legalism a little more. We know the law. And here's what he says to them when you look at Galatians 2, verse 15 and 16. He says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. So he's saying, hey, I know the law right? I'm born just like you are. He says, yet we know, listen, that a person is not justified by works. In other words, they are not declared right with God based off their works. We all know that. He said, we are not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, we are made right with God through faith. That's a big statement. We're not made right with God by how well we dress. We're not made right with God by how well we know the Bibles frontwards and the Bible books frontward and backward. We're not like made okay with God because we memorize Scripture, because we pray every day, multiple times a day, or because we even shared our faith with someone else. We are made right with God simply through faith in Jesus Christ. Right after that, he uses the word again. He says, "So we also have believed." in Christ Jesus. The same word, translated differently here. We have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith. In other words, our right standing with God happens because we believe in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, that he's fully God and fully man, that he died in our place on the cross so that we might be brought into the family of God. And because he took our sin and the punishment for our sin, God's wrath, We are now made okay with God and can be in a good relationship with Him. And that we get that through faith, through belief, by trusting in Him, dependence upon Jesus. So I want to make sure that we understand that even though I just said all those things, many of us in this room have a little bit different kind of tweak on what the word faith means. And there is a cancer that is coming out primarily of this country, that is being exported all over the world, and that is rampant. We've talked about it a little bit before, but it's rampant in this country. And it is a prosperity gospel that tells us if you just believe enough, God will make you prosperous right now. That if you just have enough faith in God, have enough faith in what you want, that if you just plant a seed and sow a seed of truth that God made a promise to you, and you should believe on that enough, like believe like you've already got it, and talk like you've already got it, that you will get what you want, because God says you can have whatever you want if you ask in Jesus' name. And what they do is they take truths in Scripture, and they twist them just a little bit. They twist them just a little bit, just like Satan did in the garden. Remember the garden early, Adam and Eve? God told them, don't eat of this tree or you will surely die. And Satan says, oh, that's not true. You won't die. You'll become like God. And that's right. They would know right from wrong, good and evil. All they knew was right before. And so he just twisted it just a hair enough to make it appealing. And that's what the prosperity gospel does. And I would say that don't just think that happens outside of these walls. Many of us in this room are impacted by it in our heart. We've grown up with a tinge of it or just the faintest whisper of it, and it taints so much of what we believe. And so I want to take a little time this morning to kind of break that down. I'm going to name some names. I don't do that all the time. I'm going to quote some people. So if you get mad, that's okay. Stay and come talk to me after. I'll be glad to back up everything I say. But I think we need to hit this. And so I'm going to go ahead and give you the thesis statement for the day. Just the main thing you need to know. If you don't remember anything else, this is what I'm going to tell you. And just so you know, it's not going to be on the screen, but you're going to have to listen a little carefully because it might sound confusing because I'm a preacher and I like to make a play on words. Okay? That's all I get to do. I mean, I, I get to write sermons. So I get to play with words. And here's the word play I want you to think about today. Don't put your faith in your faith. Put your faith your faith in your Father or in your heavenly Father. Don't put your faith in your faith. Let me break this down later. Just write it down now. Don't put your faith in your faith. Put your faith in your heavenly Father. It may sound confusing. We'll clear it up in a few minutes. Let me give you a story out of the Scriptures. in Matthew chapter 17. This is uh, right after the, uh, the, the, the the time where Jesus goes up on the mountain and he he's in the presence of his father, and the disciples were overwhelmed because Moses is there, and Elijah's there, and they're hanging out with Jesus, and they're they're just not sure what's happening in the Transfiguration they're seeing Jesus how he's going to appear later, but they don't get it yet, and so they're overwhelmed and when Jesus comes back down off the mount, uh, this is what happens it says verse 14 and on in Matthew 17. When they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we cast it out? And he said to them, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Listen, that is a truth. It is real, but this passage and that last verse in particular has been misconstrued by so many false teachers that they, they, they take the words and they twist them. Let me read it again. He said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, if you have just that smallest amount of faith, that this, this mustard seed is so little, if you just have that much faith, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Or in Mark 11:24, 24, where it says, Therefore I tell you, Jesus says, Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. That's where they get this idea that whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it. Act in such a way, speak in such a way. That's why it's called a word of faith movement, the prosperity gospel. Believe in such a way that you have received it, and it will be yours. And we're going to understand that a little bit better. Here's what one of the name-it-claim-it guys, Joe Osteen, said in a recent tweet. He says, God is about to take you to a new level. You're about to soar to new heights, to new levels of influence and favor. And yet some of our brothers and sisters since that tweet have died and gone to be with the Lord. And so, yeah, he was right. But in the context of what he's talking about, he's talking about in the here and now. You see, they say things that you want to agree with because you know eternally they're true. But they're saying you can have those such things now. Now. And that is not necessarily true. And so we have to understand the divide here. We have to get the picture. We have to understand it rightly because faith is so important. And you have to have faith. I know I just quoted George Michael, but I'm also quoting the Bible. <laughs> it is true. You've got to have faith. You're sinking it. Stop. <laughs> Look, don't put your faith in your faith. Put your faith in your heavenly Father. Let's talk about what faith is not for a few minutes. We're going to get to our text in just a few minutes. In fact, you know what? Let's just go there. We need to go there. Let's go there. Let's look at the scriptures here. And we're going to be all over the map today, so don't try to keep up. Just email me or text me for the notes later. Let me go to Mark chapter 14, verse 32 through 36. This is Jesus right before he goes to his crucifixion, right before he goes to die on the cross for the first time to be forsaken by his father for the sake of bringing us into his family He's under the most intense pressure and impossible what could be anxiety upon him because he knows he's going to endure the full wrath of the Father and all he's ever known from the Father's love and relationship in a good way. And as he's going, he says, They went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful. Even to death, remain here and watch. Man, even say. let me say it again, because just listen to the one who loved us and who, by whom and through whom we were created, because he loved us, not because he needed us, because he loved us and wanted us to bring us into this world so he could bring us into his family. And he, and he says this, knowing what he's about to do because of our sin, he says this, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, that's the word in the Greek for daddy, like a very loving relationship word, like what you would say as a small child to your dad. You might say papa or daddy, right? He says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Go back and look at it again. He says, Abba, Father. It's like a little son. I should imagine one of my little boys coming to me and saying, Daddy, Daddy, take this cup from me. And the cup he's talking about is the cup is discussed in the Old Testament all the way through. It's it's all the saved up wrath from everybody in the Old Testament and all the, the future wrath that would be incurred upon us in hell if we weren't saved through the grace of Christ. All that wrath in one giant cup, and it's going to be poured out onto Jesus. He's going to drink it all down. He says, Daddy, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Then the most important words when it comes to faith, yet not what I will, but what you will. This is real faith. This is how we understand what it means to pray in faith, to ask for things in faith. And when he says things, when Jesus says things like, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. He's he's saying when you ask for things, you have to understand how it's asked. You have to understand what it means to be asking in faith. Don't put your faith in the faith that you have. So many do that. We'll get to that in a minute, but put your faith in the heavenly father. Let's talk about what it's not real quick. Faith is not a skill we master. Faith is not a skill that we master. It's trusting in the master. It's not a skill that we master. It's trusting in the master. Romans 9.16 says, So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. In other words, it's not about how much faith you can muster up, about how much will or exertion you can put into your faith. It's about the one in whom you have faith. Don't put your faith in your faith. Put your faith in your heavenly Father. Faith is not a skill we master. It's also not a force in itself. Faith is not a force in itself. Hebrews 11.1 defines it for us. It says, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In other words, the things that we can't see yet, the things that we hope for, that we sure are going to happen, that we believe will come, that is faith. David Jones some cool articles about this topic and one of them he says some things about prosperity gospel I think it's important for us to hear he says whereas orthodox christianity understands faith to be trust in the person of Jesus Christ prosperity teachers espouse something quite different Kenneth Copeland, actually one of the ones he quotes, he he quotes him as saying, faith is a spiritual force, a spiritual energy, a spiritual power. It is this force of faith which makes the laws of the spirit world function. He writes that in his book, The Laws of Prosperity. He goes on and says, there are certain laws governing prosperity revealed in God's word. Faith causes them to function. This is obviously faulty. A gift that God gives you to believe in Him does not cause anything to function. He is the cause, not your faith. He goes on, he says, According to prosperity theology, faith is not a God-granted, God-centered act of the will. Rather, it is a humanly wrought spiritual force directed at God. Indeed, any theology that views faith chiefly as a means to material gain, rather than justification or being made right with God, must be judged inadequate at best. It is not a force. It is a gift. So put your faith, not in your faith, but in your Father. Listen, another one. Faith is not a tool to manipulate God. You don't manipulate God by having faith and asking for something. Faith is not a tool to manipulate God. Faith is a vehicle through which we trust and depend on God. Just think about it for a moment. The one who created all things, the one who holds all things in his hands, the one one who has all power over everything, who is sovereign over every moment of time, that one is manipulated by you or me because of our faith? That's ridiculous to even say it out loud. David Jones again comments on it. He says, prosperity gospel preachers often note we have not because we ask not. They're quoting scripture. We have not because we ask not. James 4.2. They encourage us to pray for personal success in all areas of life. As Creflo Dollar writes, another prosperity, I won't even call him theologian, prosperity preacher, he writes this, when we pray, believing that we have already received what we are praying, God has no choice but to make our prayers come to pass. He says it is a key to getting results as a Christian. That's not even close to the gospel of Jesus. God doesn't owe us anything, and yet he gives us his only son, so that whoever would believe in him might come to eternal life, not because of anything we have in ourselves, but because he is that good and that loving, that we love him only because he first loved us. John 14, 12 through 14, this is where they get that from. It says, Jesus saying, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So they take that and they pull it out of Scripture without letting Scripture interpret Scripture. When you put that in the context of the whole Scriptural truth, You see that that can only possibly mean that as we submit to the will of God, as we ask for God to do something that is according to His will, then yes, He will give us that. But if it's not according to His will, then no, He will not. And why would anyone who has been bought and purchased by the blood of Christ want anything other than what God the Father wants? Who knows all things, who is over all things, who has power over all things. Why would we want anything else? And so we should always pray in such a way that, Lord, I want this. Let this cup pass from me, Lord, but if not, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Don't put your faith in your faith. Put your faith in your heavenly Father. John Piper says something a lot more eloquently than I just tried to say it. He says, faith receives Jesus as a treasured Savior, a treasured Lord. And if you say that a person can be a Christian, born again, justified, heaven bound, enjoying eternal life, a person could be a Christian and have a higher treasure than Jesus, I do not know what Bible you are reading. Jesus said in Matthew 10 37, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He goes on, he says, Do we think he would say, Well, It's not okay to treasure mother or father, son or daughter more than me, but it's okay to treasure your job more than me. It's okay to treasure your health more than me. It's okay to treasure your nation more than me. It's okay to treasure your reputation more than me. It's okay to treasure your life more than me. No. Where Jesus is not treasured above all things, he is not trusted with saving faith. That's the demand. Go to any scriptural passage that talks about what it means, those hard passages. You must pick up your cross and follow me. You must die to self in order to have real faith. That's what it means to have faith is you're dead. For I've been crucified with Christ. It's not I who live, but Christ that lives in me. That means that he is my everything. Don't put your faith in your faith. Put your faith in the Father that gives us Jesus. Listen. What faith is faith in jesus is the way to eternal life with god Not the path to prosperity in the here and now And when I say prosperity, I mean to whatever you want in addition to jesus Because there's something you're trying to get by going to god and you think man I'm trying to claim this thing god's promised me that I can have wealth I could have this thing and they will twist all that junk up the more you listen to it The more confusing it gets and if you listen to that and you think you're going to claim something and say, God, you've you got to give me this. I'm claiming it in your name. You are basically elevating those things above your desire for him alone. Here's another one, 3 John, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. This is from John, the disciple, the beloved disciple, right? And he's writing to a friend in Ephesus, and as he writes this, he just makes a passing comment to him. As he writes a letter to him, he says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. This is what Kenneth Copeland says about that. He wrongly explains this verse on page 51 of his book, The Laws of Prosperity, when he says, You must realize that it is God's will for you to prosper. This is available to you. And frankly, it would be stupid of you not to partake of it. How in the world can we say that God wants everybody on this earth to prosper in health, wealth, and all those things? When the Son of God came down here and became one of us and lived a life where he said things like, the birds have nests and the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Prosperity and health? What about the son who was crucified naked on the cross, spit on, who was displayed for everyone to see and make fun of, who died the most horrible death, not just because he died on the cross, but because he died under the wrath of his father, the wrath that all of us should endure for all of eternity. He drank down in hours on the cross in the torment. Don't put your faith in your amount of faith or to get something from God. Put your faith in the Father because you want Him because He loved you so much that He gave you Jesus. Put your hope in Him. Don't look at people and say, if you just had enough faith, man, this wouldn't have happened to you. That's a lie from the enemy. You can never muster up enough faith to make your way to God. You can never muster up enough faith to, to get healthy in that way. God alone is the giver of those things. And he may give you that or he may not. He is still good and glorious because ultimately he's given you Jesus. Whether he gives you that stuff or not, he's given you enough. He's given you more than enough in Christ Jesus' son. So don't put your hope and your faith and your amount of faith or in that thing you're hoping to get. Put your faith in Jesus for he really is enough. Grudem, this is a good guy. You should go out, and if you want the big one, you get his systematic theology. It's like this big. And if you want the cliff notes to that, you you, you go down and get basic Christian doctrine. It's about this big. And if you want the cliff notes to that, you get the 20 beliefs every Christian should know. It's about that big. He says, faith is trust or dependence on God based on the fact. Listen, faith is trust or dependence on God based on the fact that we take him at his word. And believe what he has said. More specifically, saving faith is trust in Jesus Christ as a living person for forgiveness of sins and for eternal life with God. That's what faith is. That's all it is. That's all it is, and it's everything. It's about trusting in the person and work of Jesus for eternal life to be with the one who created us and loves us so much that he wants us to be with him forever, even though we've rebelled against him and deserve his condemnation forever. So don't put your words in God's mouth, right? I mean it like this. Don't say, hey, God, you know, you said you want me to have these good things. So, Lord, I pray for a 328 ISBMW. BMW, Or like some of these prosperity proclaimers, I'm going call them preachers. It denigrates the position. Like, hey, I can believe in God for a $36 million jet. Don't pray for things, and then when God doesn't come through, you put the onus on him because you prayed for something that was out of his will. And how do you know? You don't. So do you want to pray for healing? Yes, pray for healing. Yes, do that. But pray for it in his will. Don't substitute your hopes in the place of God's promises. Don't put words in God's mouth. Know his words out of his mouth to you and me. That helps a lot. Listen, Daniel 3, 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered instead of the king. The king's about to throw him into the fire, right? Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. They're going to get thrown in the fire because they would not bow to the king, right? They would not worship him. He says, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, that we're going to be thrown in the fire, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not... You hear that? But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. Or Matthew 8, 20, and Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, remember? Birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Or Psalm 37, 4, this is one that's misused all the time, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you delight yourself in Him, if you find your joy in Him, then you get Him, and that is the fulfilling of your heart. That's what you wanted. It's not the other things in addition to that. Don't let them twist Scripture. Don't believe in the twisting lies of the enemy. Don't put your faith in your amount of faith. Put your faith in your heavenly Father. So listen, pray for miracles, but trust in Jesus. Don't trust in miracles. Mark nine twenty four. Immediately, the father of the child cried out. This, remember this story real quick. This guy comes running to Jesus. He says, "You got to heal my. You got to heal my kid. You got to heal my kid." And he's like, "If you can do it, heal my child, please." And he's like, "If I can do it," Jesus says. "says You just need to believe." And he says this. He said, "I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. I don't believe enough. We can't believe enough. Lord, help my unbelief." Help me. Or what we talked about last week, Hebrews 11, 35 and on. We hear all these good stories of Abraham and Moses and Isaac and all these great people did all these great things, right? Really, they were jacked up people that God used to do great things. Go back and read closely. But in that hall of faith in Hebrews 11, it goes on and says, some were tortured refusing to accept release so they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. The Messiah, that's what they were promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Look, these people had faith we can't probably imagine. It didn't fix their problems. If he doesn't fix any of our problems, if he doesn't do anything else for us, he's given us Jesus. And if that's not enough, we don't understand the gospel. We don't understand our need that goes beyond all this other stuff and gets to the heart of the matter that we are wicked on the inside because we have rebelled against the one who created us to enjoy him forever. And we said, no, we're gonna find joy in other things, not in you. We need to understand that we are completely sinful in that sense. There's nothing in comparison to anything else. There's nothing about us that deserves anything that he would give us, except he loves us anyway and overcame our sinfulness by sending us Jesus, who would die and take down our wrath. So don't put your faith in your faith, or in the extra things, put your faith in the Father. So pray for miracles, but trust in Jesus, and put God's will, here you go, put God's will above your will. That's the last bit of it. You can pray for reprieve, but trust like Jesus. You understand? You can say, Lord, please take it away. I don't want it. Remove it from me, Lord, Please. I trust you. Jesus said, Daddy, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Look, you're not all powerful, but God is. So put your faith in him, not in your faith. You're not all knowing, but God is. So put your faith in him and not in your own faith or your own ability. Trust in him and know that whatever you're going through, it could be worse Whatever you're going through, it could be worse because you could be enduring the full wrath of God for all eternity, and instead, He gave you Jesus. And no matter what you think it is now that is bad, and I'm sure that it's bad, and I'm sure that it's overwhelming, I'm sure that it's horrible, I'm sure that it's... it's, Nobody else can probably understand the depth of your hurt or your pain or your sorrow or your suffering except God, who understands... Jesus himself understands because he endured all the wrath that we deserve, which is way worse than anything we can endure on this earth. And he understands that he endured it for you. He endured it because he loves you. And he wants you to put your faith in him so you can be with him forever. So don't just think that your faith can fix anything, understand that the Savior has fixed it already. And then on the cross, he died for you in your place so that you can be brought into the kingdom with him, not just as servants, but as brothers and sisters, as sons and daughters of the king, so that you can love him and be with him forever. So don't put your faith in your amount of faith. Don't put your faith in what you want to claim to receive over God. Instead, elevate Christ where he should be and put your faith in him because he loved you so much that he has elevated you to the position of brother and sister who will inherit all things in Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he is that good. So put your faith in the Father like that. I'm going to pray for us. And if you've never put your faith in that person, that way, today, please, please don't leave here. Please don't don't, don't put things away. Listen, don't step away until you deal with what God's doing in your heart right now. Repent and believe in the Christ. Turn to Him right now. Turn to Him and come and follow Him and come and be His because there's nothing better than that. There's no more relief that you can receive than that. There's no more joy you can have than that. Put your faith and hope in Him and let us Give him all the praise and glory. We're going to sing in a minute together. I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to sing. And if you need to deal with the Lord, you can stay right where you are and pray. Or you can come forward and I will pray with you. Or you can just pray by yourself if you need to do that. If you you need to, to talk with someone, I will be up here. And I'll be here until you leave the room. And you can hit me up later with my number in the bulletin. Whatever you need to do, just don't forgo this moment before the Lord as he's laid bare his truth. That you might believe and trust in him. Father, you are good and holy and righteous, and we give you all the praise and all the glory, and we ask that you would just right now work in us and change us according to your grace, that we might trust in you, that we would know that you are not only good, but know that you are not only for us, but that you love us so much that you've done everything to overcome the needs we have. So, Lord, let us not put our faith in our amount of faith. Let us not put our faith in things or in temporal claims, but let us put our faith in you. And that through Jesus, we can be brought into the family with you. That through Jesus, we can continue to trust in you. Lord, for those of us that know you already, work in us to help us to believe and trust in Jesus even more today than we did before we walked in. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.